Welcome to Millennial Sex, True Stories Podcast. I'm your host, the Professor Double X, and I'm in the bedroom tonight. Ho, 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 y'all. Merry Christmas. I'm certainly in the Christmas spirit of giving because I have been a total and complete hoe this entire week. Um, this really was one for the books. <laughs> and I'm happy about it. I feel satisfied. Mm, I'm feeling good right now. Uh, and I've actually had enough. I could take a break for a day. So... We're all in luck. I decided to give a new podcast today because I love you all and I want to give you something actually on Christmas. So what is on the agenda for our podcast? Well, I have an interview. This is a guest podcast this week. Um, and it is with Hans Vonderkill, who is into fetish wrestling and he makes videos Um, of his fetish wrestling and I went to his Instagram and he has stills and photos from the shoots from the video shoots and they're quite artistic actually it's very high quality photography so um so he sells these videos and he's really into this entire kind of cult fetish world of fetish wrestling so basically we will interview him and have a discussion about sexual themes as they relate to deficiency and desire. You know me, guys. Next week, I'm going to take a new direction with the podcast because I want to do a podcast on FDS, which is female dating strategies. I read about this recently in this interesting article. Anyway, it was interesting. So, We're going to talk about that next time because a lot of times the podcast is just like an anecdote and a lot of guys are listening to the podcast, but like straight up, I'm about to address this FDS thing, female dating strategies. So that's going to be next podcast. Um, For now, we're going to go ahead with Hans and fetish wrestling. And uh, thank you all for tuning in for the Christmas edition of Millennial Sex True Stories Podcast. Enjoy. So welcome to Millennial Sex True Stories Podcast. Thank Would you, you like to me. introduce yourself? My name is Hans and I do fetish erotic wrestling videos. I've been doing that for about 10 years and um, yeah, I've always, uh, always loved it and it's been quite an adventure. Great. Um, did you want to share the whole name or just the first name? Hans Vonderkill. So. so what is fetish erotic wrestling? Growing up, I always kind of had a, um, I always had a thing for like women who were kind of like strong and powerful. Um, I guess I played a lot of sports growing up and I was always kind of attracted to, you know, girls who were athletic. I would always kind of have like fantasies of like being in a wrestling match with them and, and, um, and having that be kind of like like part sporty, part kinky. Growing up, I, I thought it was, I was the only person in the world into this when I first got into it. And then um, as I went on the internet, you know, I found like companies that made videos based on it. And, 
you know, people who were talking forums about it, it's like, oh, okay, this is actually quite a common um, interest for people. And as time, as, as time went on, started to meet people who were actually like in some of the videos, and then I started making videos myself in about, at, uh, at about like 2010. It's been a lot of fun. So it ranges from, it can be like sporty competitive, and it can just be kind of like, you know, athletic and sweaty, and that can be, be hot on its own. And it can range from that um, all the way to like, you know, nude erotic oil wrestling, where instead of trying to go for submissions, you're trying to pin each other down and force each other to orgasm first. And um, so it can have like, it can have like a good range of, of, uh, of play between the people, so. Okay, and so you always do this with women? It's like guy and girl. There's like all combinations out there, but mm -hmm. for me, it's always it's always uh, what they call mixed wrestling. So it's guy versus girl. Okay, and like you sell the videos, is that how you? Yep. Where do you sell them? I sell them on Clips for Sale, and I just actually started doing uh, OnlyFans. Where do you find the people that you're wrestling with? So there's actually like a whole um, there's a whole like community of like you know sort of kinky, kinky erotic, you know, sporty wrestlers. Um, you know, there's what's known as like session wrestling. So like girls will actually like, you know, uh, charge guys to do like a one hour wrestling match. And, um, and a lot of them will also do videos as well. And it's actually good for them to do videos because then, you know, it, you know, people see it and it generates more fans. And then like, you know, sometimes it generates like people wanting to do like an actual like session with them, and so. So like, couple questions. First, where does where do um, they post these? Uh, Twitter, and then uh, there's a there's a couple websites where um, you know the girls who actually offer sessions will. What are those sites? Uh, ses sessiongirls.com and sessiongirls.com. Yeah, and then the other one, which is kind of like the the older mainstay, uh, it's called wb270.com. wb270.com. Yeah. My other question was, uh, do you know like what a typical price range these um, girls charge for the session? They usually run like three hundred. Um, an hour. Three hundred to four hundred an hour. Yeah, depending on everyone sets their own price. And it's so. just wrestling. It's it's just wrestling. There's yeah. no actual sex service. Uh, not, not usually. I mean, every every encounter is different. Yeah, you know, I'm not mm -hmm. saying that that never happens, but um, you know, in general, it's like that's just for for wrestling. Hmm. Um, but it's wrestling to orgasm. It's so usually for for sessions by default, it's like wrestling for like tap outs and stuff like that. Um, wrestling I've, for what? For like tap outs, like you you make the person tap out. It's more like sort of sort oh, of like just sporty. sporty. Okay. I've I've had sessions before where we kind of, we had kind of like knew known each other a few times uh -huh. and um, and basically like we were kind of into each other and it it turned more erotic okay. and um, that's you know that that's always interesting like that's always interesting when that happens spontaneously um, and then I've had like you know, uh, sessions and videos where, um, it's erotic from the get go where we're basically meeting up and, and the name of the game is to try to like pin the person down and make them orgasm first. So, mm -hmm. um, yeah. Okay, cool. Is it you, is this like a business for you or like a hobby? 
it started as a as a hobby. It was something that, you know, like I said, growing up, I was like sort of magnetically drawn to, mm-hmm. and it when I started making the videos, it actually became a business and actually something I, I rely on. Like I do have like a a day gig, and I've had that day gig like either change or like fall through a couple times and. Um, the wrestling is actually the thing that, you know, I call it the job I can't get fired from. Yeah. So I'm, I'm just confused though. Cause like, it seems like it's the girls thing. It seems like the girls charging. So how do you, how do you get paid? I get paid by, uh, selling the videos online in my store and people buy the videos. Oh, okay. So, so she allows you to sell videos of her. Yeah. Okay, do you have to pay her a uh, royalty? Usually, usually when uh, I set up a shoot, like, I usually pay the person that I'm, I'm wrestling for the video. Okay, I yeah. see. And there, there are girls who will actually do, like, they'll do, like, a session tour. So they'll go from city to city. They'll um, do private wrestling sessions with clients, and they'll do shoots for different wrestling companies. And I'm kind of one of the, you know, one of the wrestling companies in, in New York where... If they're in town, they'll they'll shoot with me, and uh, the videos will go up, and you know people who follow my videos and buy my videos will see them and be like, oh, that's great. Now I want to, you know, I want to meet this person too. Mm. So, are like the forums where people talk about it? Is that on WB two seventy and Session Girls, or is it like Reddit or like something else? No, there's there's a forum uh, called Male versus Female dot org um, where there's a. Um, that that's like a the most popular forum right now. Uh, when I started getting into it, the first forum that I found it was um, it was a, a website called uh, the the Combative Woman, and it was run run by a woman named Barbara, and she had a forum on her site and where people would kind of like interact and talk about like you know their favorite wrestlers or like their favorite match styles and stuff like that. So, mm-hmm. um, so yeah, and then there's another one. I think it's called Scissor Queens. Scissor Queens. Yeah. That's nice. Yeah. I like that. It's These a, are great names. Male versus females yeah. dot org. Scissor Queens. And what was the one from Barbara? Oh, the Combat of Woman. The Combat of Woman. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That nice. one's like I don't think that's a, you may might be able to find like archives of that around. That was like a site in like the nineties where oh, wow. it was it was like GeoCities. Oh. Do wow. you remember those those sites? Um, yeah, you I, might not. <laughs> I, I kind of, yeah, so, vaguely. Yeah. Cool. So, um, wow, so it's like a whole world. Well, I know my listeners are going to love this. They're going to be going to all these sites and checking it out yep. for sure. Um, it sounds fun. Do you know, like, a lot of the wrestlers in the New York area, the girls? Who um, are your favorites? So, Vivi Lane is someone I've known for ages and ages. She's, like, really, like, super athletic and skilled and talented, you know. We just had a match, like, um, she does more sporty athletics. She, she doesn't do, like, as much the erotic stuff. But um, we had a competitive match where she pretty much whooped my butt eight to nothing, so. <laughs> but she she's really cool. I sh- shoot videos with uh, a few girls in the area. Kami, Cole, Ruby. Kami Cole, you say? Kami Killer is Kami her name. Killer. Killer with a Y. Oh. Everyone has kind of, like, cool, like, stage names. Yeah, there's a there's a... Good group of people. If you if you go to my Twitter, you'll see them pop up on my Twitter periodically. So, okay, um, cool. Thanks. Yeah, so I, I have a podcast of my own called uh, After Hour Sessions, 
um, that I do with uh, my, my new friend, uh, D-Rock, who I met through Instagram. Uh, he's a cool dude, and we talk about kind of like having this wrestling fetish kink growing up and then sort of coming to terms with that and, and you know, kind of feeling comfortable, more comfortable sharing it. You know, Twitter's kind of like my central social media hub, uh, you know, again, because, uh, you know, I do have an Instagram, but, like, it's it's super... It's it's super kind of like dangerous to post like stuff on there that they they might ban you for it. So I'm I'm super trepidatious about posting on Instagram. What's your do you, what's your Instagram now? It's uh, Hans Vanderkill. H A N Z V A N D E R K I L L, just all one word. So that's my Instagram and my Twitter. And then if you Google Hans Vanderkill, um, my clips for sales store will pop up. Uh, my OnlyFans is linked on on my Twitter, so, um, but if you Google me, I'm fairly easy to find. Okay, so. great. Yeah, and I'm, I'm at Betty Babes, if it's Betty, B-E-T-T-E underscore Babes. Oh, nice. Yeah. On Instagram? Yeah. Cool. I will definitely be following you, so. So, um, do you, do you have a story you want to share? Have you thought of one? Sure. I, so, I guess, um, meeting somebody who you, start wrestling first and it's kind of more competitive and then um as time went on we just sort of took a liking to each other and then we kind of had like a really fun sort of epiphany in in the middle of the match where it started competitive and then it just you know kind of spontaneously became erotic so um so yeah like we had known each other for um at least a couple years and uh we had done like a, a couple videos together. Um, she was like very competitive, like you know, very like you know, skilled and like you know, in, into wrestling and, and stuff like that. And so we did a a video one night, and then um, we also decided to do like a private session afterwards since she was in town. So um, you know, we went and we uh, started doing the session. Start started like wrestling back and forth, and we were always kind of like very even. Like it was very hard for either one of us to tap the other one out mm -hmm. and um so we were in the midst of like this long fall that was probably like it must have been like 30 minutes long and we were just both like pushing each other physically to the max and you know we just kind of like ended up in this like mutual body lock and it you know started out at, you know struggling together and then it became a little more grindy and then um, you know, before we knew it, we were just more like grinding for like pleasure than like try actually trying to submit each other. And, um, you know, we had not really planned it, but like we were both kind of like thrilled about it afterwards. And then, uh, you know, after that we had, uh, definitely set up, you know, kind of some more like erotic exploratory match styles, which were really fun to do. And, um, yeah, it was always it was always something kind of like in the back of my mind and to have it just sort of like, you know, um, come to the forefront like that. Like sometimes you feel connections with, with, with people and you, you know, um, like you think you feel it there and, and, and you're not really sure. And then like it comes to the surface and it's like, Oh wow. Like this is really, not only is it there, but it's like 10 times more intense than I thought too. So, um, yeah. Yeah. That is nice. Yeah. So how about you? 
What are you into? How did you start doing this podcast? Well, I wrote a book about dicks. It was like a gag book about dicks where I basically collected like dick pics from dudes that would post them online or send them or whatever. Yeah. And then I basically like made a whole like feminist book like analyzing what dicks look like like <laughs> on like the most comic levels. Um, and it, what They're I found is that it's like very rewarding, um, particularly for women in terms of like body image self-esteem. Because what I realized when I, when I started to really look at all these dick pics that were floating around on the web yeah. is that, um, you know, um, I realized that there's like kind of like a global conspiracy or, against women and their bodies. Yeah. And, um, you know, part of the conspiracy is to make women turn inward on their own bodies and their appearance. As I see it, the more you turn inward the more potential you have to feel insecure. Yeah. Um, and that is basically reducing your power. So I think that's the conspiracy, you know, traditionally against women and their appearance and whatever is to make them dependent on something like that right. so that they are insecure and they're not looking out in how to use their power in the world. So, um, so you know, like the intense scrutiny on like girls and women's bodies um, and the insecurities they feel as a result I think are a way of deflecting from the penis. I realize oh a woman's body is actually pretty nice right um, you know you just have two legs two arms like every, you know whatever like <laughs> people are criticized oh you have a dimple or your titty is longer than that one because then you look at men and they actually literally have an appendage but yeah. it could look really crazy and I would say a lot of penises sometimes look crazy and sometimes look nice depending right. on the mood they're in yep. most people aren't exposed to that because before the internet how many penises did you really see not like, a lot so I just realized that like part of hiding the penis and keeping people from talking about it is part of deflecting from men's insecurities and understanding yes. men's psychology. And it, it it puts the pressure because all the attention is on women's bodies. Right. And then it takes any, you know, it's like shameful for women to talk about what penises even look like or how they may be valuable in any ways. And so I think another reflection of that is that we only talk about size. Like if we talk about penises or we make a joke, oh, how big is it? The only thing we talk about size is size, but that's pretty ironic because there's like so many other features. Right. So my book actually has 21 chapters and the penises are divided like in 21 categories based on their primary characteristic. So I've basically identified at least 21 um, different primary characteristics that a penis can have. There's a small chapter and there's a monster chapter. Yeah. And other than that, none of the other ones have anything to do with size. Yeah. So, um, so it was a fun way to like really look and laugh and, and see a lot without actually having to like experience them all personally. So that took a long time because I literally had to go through like a thousand penis pictures to get my <laughs> sample. Yep. Um, like a hundred, it was like a 10% sample. Wow. Um, so I had to go through like a thousand pictures and then I had like a joke for every picture, every penis that like yep. fit the penis. It was kind of clever. <laughs> so I did that and like, you know, people thought it was like stupid and they thought it was like whatever, you know, whatever they thought. But it, I feel like it was like good for me. Like, um, the point I'm making is quite serious in terms of like cultural and social psychology yeah. and feminism. Like it's a serious point that I'm making, but we've entered into this very like weird age I feel it's like 
It's like so PC that it's stupid. So yeah. like I like there were like people who were like, this book is body shaming, and I'm like, well, <laughs> like well, I'm a woman, like it, we've but, been yeah. oppressed for like thousands of years by these dicks, and yeah. we can't even like say a joke about a dick now. Yeah, like you've got to be kidding. People can get offended at anything. Yeah, I mean so. I don't know. Yeah. yeah, I made a book about dicks. What? <laughs> so <laughs> I'll make another one. Yeah. So that also um like opened up this window to like the psychology of men that I hadn't really broken down that well prior to seeing yeah. all these dick pictures. Because then it really made me understand a lot of men are very insecure about their penises, or right. you know, there's con- like they also are feeling the pressure that the only thing anybody talks about is how big it is. Well, like, a couple times I got paid the compliment of, like, um, you know, from, like, the erotic wrestling videos, uh, people I've shot with, they said, like, oh, you, uh, Hans, you have a very nice dick. I was, and I was, like, not big, like, nice. Like, it, it was, like, they were complimenting kind of, like, on the way it was shaped, like, the, just, like, the way it looked without it necessarily being big. And I just remember being, like, kind of, like, not taken aback by it, but but it's like oh that's kind of refreshing that it was it was kind of like and it's not something I've really thought of you know for me it's just I've had it all my life so like I see it and I'm used to it I don't really think of it as being like particularly nice or not but um, but I did like growing up all you hear about like oh yeah you know it's either big or, or it's not you know like big is the only thing that matters so yeah yeah and and that's part of the deflecting. Yeah. That's actually part of the deflecting. Because if, if that's what you... Because then, then it's, oh, you're a size queen. Like, it's simply you're greedy or you're shallow. Oh, that's why you like... You know, right. it's a way, again, of deflecting. Because when you really break down, it's really understanding people's psychology. Yeah. When you make women insecure about their bodies, it, there's a psychological end to yeah. the game. And so that's what I, I really find interesting. And I think after I really understood that, my life actually improved. Because it just changed my outlook a lot, yeah. and my perspective. Um, it widened my perspective, and um, and you know, it, since men, it's very valuable information since we live in patriarchy. Yeah. And so to understand like the psychology behind men on that level, people laugh when I say this because they think it's like cheap, right? Because it's sexual. Right. But, like, the only thing anybody cares about on this whole freaking planet is sex and that they feel admired. Right. That's it. And sex is number one. Yes. <laughs> admired is that way is number two. Distant second. Admired would be nice. Right. It's so. a distant second. You know, yeah. that's after nobody wants to fuck you. Right. That's what you work on <laughs> in your, the second half of your life. Right. But, but um, yeah, I mean, that's all anybody really cares about. So when they try to say it's cheap or it's crass or it's this or it's that, it's like, well, you're missing out on information that would only enhance your general knowledge about the world and how it works. Yeah, and I think when we get into this sort of, like, erotic sphere, you're, you're kind of like, you're getting to the real meat and potatoes of, like, what makes people tick. So um, I know, like, before I got into, like, this erotic wrestling stuff, I was... Um, like I, I always tell people, the more I got into it, and the more I kind of learned to express it and share it, and like and like turn it into something that was actually, you know, like a positive thing rather than something that I was afraid of sharing. You know, something that I actually like. You know, I I, I like making the images and putting them out there into the world. It's great that I get paid for it and make sales from it, but like I actually like 
you know, putting that out there into the world too. I feel like I'm putting like positive energy out there. But the more I did that, the the more it made me kind of like better, like kind of like better in other aspects of my life. Like I became more, you know, able to empathize with people and like understand people. I I became sort of like um, just like a, a better human. In yeah. My, in in my opinion, like it kind of um, it opened me up to um, to things that otherwise like because like I think there's like I think there's like an inherent like sort of security. Um, Maybe men in general, but certainly for me growing up, like, I definitely had, like, body image issues and, and like, you know, insecurities and stuff like that. And then once I kind of, like, kind of battled those by, like, okay, I'm going to put, like, wrestling videos, like, out and, like, my body's going to be completely exposed and I'm going to be, like, not only not embarrassed about that, but, like, really okay with that. Like, once I started doing that, like, it started, started making me kind of, like, a stronger person in a way. Like everything, everything else kind of like became, you know, became better. Um, which is funny because like if I, like if if I was like still closeted about it, I always I often think of this. If I if I just never kind of like dealt with this, I could see myself kind of like not, I don't know, just like not being a good friend to people. If that makes sense. Why so, do you say that? Um, because it's kind of like I can. Like when when friends talk talk to me now, I can put myself in their shoes better. Um, you know, it's not so much I'm like uh, like I'm not so like closed off from them. Like if I hadn't done it, I'd just sort of be like hiding myself, like kind of like having a wall up. So I used to actually really think about it like um, you know, like like I had I had like a wall, and I only let like certain people in and stuff like that, and. Um, you know, it wasn't, it made it harder to, like, interact with people when I was Mm. like that, so. So, wait, so, um, so you feel like by exploring your interest in fetish wrestling, um, you've been able to know more about yourself and release some of the tension and um, blinders that you had put up for yourself to kind of box yourself in. And because of that, you're able to empathize more with other people because you're more honest with yourself about yourself. Yeah, definitely. It's kind of like you, you do the homework on yourself and then that makes you, you know, then better able to like connect with, with other people, whether it be like friends or like, you know, coworkers, you know, Mm -hmm. in your day gig or whatever, but just better able to, better able to just like understand people because like you've kind of like, all right, like I used to be afraid and then I kind of like worked my way through that and like so I you know I kind of have so I can I can sort of get a feeling for like when people have their own you know fears and and things that are troubling them so you um, can empathize yeah you can empathize you can kind of understand it's like I, I know how that felt so yeah yeah that so that's basically um like something I talk about all the time on this podcast and you asked like what was the what were like the interests initially in pursuing this and so it was always kind of a psychological thing yeah as i alluded to with the book our psychology is wired into our sexuality yeah vice versa and exploring your sexuality and being comfortable with it and not ashamed of it right is extremely healthy obviously if you're hurting someone else or manipulating someone else 
then that's not comfortable and there's shame whether you want to admit it or not. You know, right. that doesn't count. But but when you can acknowledge, okay, I like to do something or I'm interested in something that seems shameful. Right. But if I find a partner who's interested in it and we're both open and we're not shaming each other, we're just exploring it, then we can enjoy that and release ourselves from any type of shame as well as um, act on that intrigue. Like I always tell my listeners, I think it's really important to explore those primal parts of yourself. Yes. You know, the primal part of you that really wants to do something and would feel alive and there's like right. a deficiency there. There's actually a deficiency there that is caused by something psychological earlier in your life yep. or some at some point in your life. And so there's an in, there's a deficiency and thus an intrigue and so you need to explore that so you can be a full person and you can close out those deficiencies. Yes. Yeah. The, pr the primal energies that you kind of bring up is something I've had conversations with kind of like wrestling partners, you know, before where, you know, we, we both have our, you know, our, our day jobs and they're stressful. And then, you know, we've made this time to sort of like get together and, you know, basically there's like the mats and then there's the, the two of you and you're kind of like, you know, having having like a fun like playtime and like you're kind of laying out this like grr you know this mm -hmm. grr emotion instinct and um letting those energies kind of like like play with each other and i i always kind of think about it as like you know there's the two two of you on the mats and then like beyond that like the rest of the world like almost like fades away mm. um so there's just like you know for for that instant like there's just the two of you in existence in the universe and you're like in this like playful sort of like struggle. And um, like anytime I would do that or like have an experience like that, um, I could I could just remember for like the, the whole rest of the week having like this kind of like emotional, mental and even kind of like physical high where I felt like I was like walking on clouds and mm -hmm. you know, the rest, the rest of like the stress in life like doesn't affect you as much. And you know, and, and just kind of like think to myself like you know everyone should do that like that like it's it's a it's a healthy thing to kind of like engage those sort of like things that we're told you know for in the in the case of like wrestling it's kind of like it's like oh no you're you know you're not supposed to i don't know you're not supposed to like make physical contact in a way like i grew up like in a um sort of like in a culture where where it's like no you know we, we don't physically touch people at all yeah. And you did say you grew up in a fairly religious household, right? It was like it wasn't super religious. It was the religion was there, but it was like I, I don't think Puritan, Puritanism has really ever left Massachusetts. Mm -hmm. You know, I think there's there's still undercurrents in that, like no matter where you go. And um, you know, I mean, certainly, I guess, like if you get into Boston, you find sort of more progressively minded people, but. Um, you know, I just remember, I remember coming to New York and, and discovering that, you know, things like polyamory and like, um, you know, fetish and kink and, um, just like all these different ways of thinking about like, you know, intimacy and, and, and like love and like, you know, friendship and like sexual exploration and just being like, man, I wish I had like, I wish I had known all this stuff like 20 years ago. And I, I just would have been, like, a lot happier as a person, you know? So, yeah. Yeah. I, I definitely get that. That's partially why I made that book, even though not a lot of people are going to read it. But 
I was like, I made it for like the young girls. Yeah. So that they could see it early. Yeah. And it could click <laughs> a lot earlier than it did for me. You know, yeah. like it could click at like 20. Imagine if like at 20 you figured that out about yeah. like patriarchy and the height, you know, men's psychology. Right. But I want to go back to a sec- for a second to what you said. Something interesting about um, like. Uh, how you said that, like, when you're wrestling, you know, it feels like you're, like, the only people in the world and stuff. Yeah. It just made me think of, like, I started, when I started doing boxing. Yeah. And the trainer was, you know, like, a legit sensei. But he did Kenpo. So he did boxing. He did all different martial arts styles. But he also did a lot of boxing. Yeah. Because right? some don't do boxing. So some martial arts people don't do boxing. Right? Gotcha. Um, so, so, like... I discovered that I, like, love boxing. Yeah. <laughs> and I remember, like, sometimes, because we would train one-on-one, and, you know, he would hold the pads or whatever. Right. And um, you're very close, right? And, you're, and, um, and, like, sometimes, like, the competitiveness of it, like, when he would actually start, like, going back at me right. instead of just, like, waiting. Yep. I would get, like, really charged up. And I just remember, like, and, like, I loved it. Like, I love you. Like, yes. I love this. Um and I just remember, like, and I remember feeling, like, wow, like, as a kid, I, I, like, it was so exciting. And as a kid, like, I never had any combative sports. I'm an only child. Yeah. There was no one for me to play with, really. Right. I just did really quiet things, like drawing or studying or, you know, things you can do by yourself. Um, and, like, in those moments, I would realize, wow, I, I wish, you know, this is something I'm deficient in. This is something that... I needed to release that I've never really been able to do is just like have a competitive, combative, feisty, sportive kind of thing with somebody that I know. Um, and, but we're not hurting each other. Yeah. It's like aggressive and it's, it's a great feeling. And I think, um, you know, I like how you said that, that, like you, you love the person too, because that's exactly how it feels. Like when you can like, you know, when you can kind of like give that energy off and then they're taking it and giving it back to you. You're kind of like in a whirlwind of like this primal energy that you're generating together and you get to kind of like, yeah, you know, it's not, it's, it's not intimate. something you can, yeah, it's very intimate. Mm-hmm. It's, it's not something you, you can really do yeah. on your own. And it's very like, I mean with mine, like there was no sexual element to it, you know? Yeah. Um, so it was, it was almost like, you know, brotherly, like it made me think of like, you know, little lion cubs when they're always right. like, rawr, 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 you know, and I was thinking, I never had that as a kid. Yeah. Like I never got to have a brother or a sister where we beat each other up. Right. <laughs> and we actually on some level enjoy it. Yeah. Probably. Someone that I met early on and, and, you know, she was kind of like a, a legend in the, you know, the industry that I'm in. And I met her at a, at a party. Uh, we, there was like a, a wrestling party. Um, Who, who's the legend? Uh, her name's Helen Bonmont. Okay. Um, is that where you got your name, Hans? Von you know, there Helen was a little bon bit of a, there was a little bit of a, an, an inspiration there. She was mm-hmm. very sort of like big in the scene as I was like coming up before I chose my name. But yeah. um, but she she uh, said that um, you know wrestling is like the most natural form of play, and like all the animals in the animal kingdom do it, and it's kind of ridiculous that as humans we feel weird that we shouldn't do it. You know, like. That, that physical kind of like, you know, kind of like combative play yeah. sort of thing. So, um. Yeah, definitely. It's, a, it's healthy. And so when you were saying that, though, it also made me think of sex. I had this lover. Whatever the reason, we ended up having very physical sex. Yeah. Right? Like, 
a very every time pretty much like super physical we'd be right. all over the house really aggressive with each other yeah um all kinds of stuff right and and it was the same thing it was like releasing like all this incredible tension yeah that was so exciting so that was a case where it was like almost as physical as the boxing right but then it was like purely sexual it's and this is what i say to my podcast listeners all the time is just like just like find a partner that wants to do that like as long as as long as you say like this is what i this is what i'm interested in this is what i want this is what turns me on this is what doesn't yeah and just be really clear and then both people and then everybody can have a great time and there's no like emotional entanglement or like loose end that yeah, is gonna like it's leave great somebody to just feeling be like, crazy or weak or anything. Yeah, it's just like great to kind of like be be out with it and and just be like, yeah, this is what I'm into. And then not everyone's into the same thing, so like you, you know, you may not have like a connection there. But then when you right. when you find someone who's also sort of into that same vibe, and then you get to share that together. For me, like knowing the other person is like as into it as I am is like an intensifier. It's like a, a huge turn on. You know, when I know the other person is like you know, getting as much of a kick out of it as I am, if that makes sense. So rather than just being like, you know, I'm into this, it's like, oh, okay, I'll, I'll try that for you. That's nice, but like better is like, oh, I've always been into that too. Like we should try that out. Yeah, great. Well, this right. has been an interesting and informative conversation. Yeah. Thank you so much. Glad, Hans, thank you for having me. Wanderkill. Love to come back, so... <laughs> Thank you for listening to Millennial Sex, True Stories Podcast. I'm your host, the Professor Double X, and I look forward to our next romp in the bedroom. Good night.